is episode 367 for March 2015. And if you're a fan of this podcast, I'd appreciate your support of it. Log on to our front page at SpidermanCrawlspace.com. Look for a button on the right-hand side that says support this site via PayPal. And you can help us host 367 episodes up on our server and help us pay the bills. All right, gang, on with Spider Satellites. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our Spider Satellites episode. We're going to be tackling 17 different books, and we're going to go at a brisk pace. But let me introduce you down on the panel. We've got Ashley, and we've got Zach, and we've got George, and JR decide to stick around. Welcome, Jr. to your first Spider Satellite. Yeah, even though I haven't read a goddamn one of them, I'm. You read, <laughs> you read Spider Gwen. Yeah, I know, but it's laying around somewhere, and I don't remember anything about it except I didn't like the art and the story didn't make any sense. So anyway. All right, that's your contribution. All right, we got uh... Jr. You now run the risk of commenting just arbitrarily and being, you know, and having someone on iTunes say it doesn't even reviewed stuff. He didn't even read, you know, and then Bring followed it. by copious you know, fan but... tears. JR's been reading Spider-Man books for 30-plus years. He's entitled to have an opinion about the character. I agree. I'm just saying. He's running a risk. The book, the books that we're going to be reviewing, X-Factor, number 20, Miles Morales, The Ultimate Spider-Man, number 9 and 10, Guardians of the Galaxy, 23 and 24, Silk, number 1, All New Ultimates, number 12, The Last Issue. Finally! Uh, Spider-Verse, number two. Spider-Man 2099, number eight and nine. Scarlet Spiders, number three. We've got Spider-Woman, number three and four. Spider-Gwen, number one. Spider-Man the X-Men, number two and three. And also, Howard the Duck, number one. Uh, we're going to start with the book that the fans demanded. <laughs> allegedly demanded. Silk, number one. And Ashley, you've got this one. All right. First, I'm going to start off by eating my words, every single one that I've spewed about Silk since I first started, because this actually is not that bad. It's not. Shockingly, it's not bad, honestly. So we start off with Silk. She's in her first solo battle against this guy in a suit, some flight suit who calls himself Dragon Claw. And we have a lovely little... She dates herself by asking if he's a Pokemon and if that's still a thing. So yay, 90s kids. (laughs) <laughs> you have our first connection. It's just she's fighting him, and she you know shoots out a you know a a web strand from her fingers because that's her thing. Yeah. But uh, Dragon Claw swipes it off, and she's gonna fall. She's falling to her death in a short run, but then Peter comes out of nowhere, literally nowhere, and catches her and saves her. Well, that's a role reversal from Amazing. Right? I know she usually saves him. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they have a nice little talk where, you know, he's trying to get closer to her and trying to get to know her better because he needs some way to validate why he's always horny around her, I guess. (laughs) And he asks if she wants to have dinner or something, but she decides she needs to go brood and figure out what the heck she's doing. She's just, she spends a lot of time just kind of reflecting on her life and what she's doing and how she got there, which is actually pretty nice. It's a very, uh, it's very introspective, you know, a very introspective issue. There's a lot of time. It's developing the character. Exactly. It's just, it's got yeah. a whole, this really quiet feel to it. And it's very thoughtful. Yep. It's a very, um, kind of like, what word am I looking like? Kind of like a withdrawn 
kind of feel to it, which is nice. Right. It's not moving at a fast pace either. It's set. It's building, universe building, or, mm-hmm. or book book building. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's just kind of like floating at the surface. It's like yeah. visual. But we get our first glimpse of her before you know before Spider Verse before she locks herself in some bunker and we get a, a glimpse of you know, a normal Cindy Moon and not some crazy woman who locked herself in a bunker because an old man told her to. And she is, uh, she's having trouble at home. She's arguing with her parents. She has the typical Asian mom who's like, you need to study and work hard, you know, work, you know, get your grades up. But she wants to go and have fun. She wants to, you know, play this game. She drops the bomb that she's been dating this boy for six months but never told them. So that sparks a, a conflict between her and her mother. Let's see. And she drops the big bomb. She says, I hate you to her mother. And she kind of gets some inner monologue where she's looking back and regretting that she can never forget this. And also kind of, uh, I think over this, she, we find out she has an uh, eidetic memory. So pretty much anything she sees, she can remember. So they kind of use this to, to, uh, insinuate that every event, you know, every memory that she has, she can pretty much live it over again in real time. And, like, she remembers every single moment. So, not really sure if that's going to play a role in anything other than flashbacks. But it's it's going to be as eidetic as any writer needs it to be at any given moment. Yeah. It's if a not, better character, it'll just be forgotten. It's a better character trait than constantly attracted to Spider-Man. So. Yep. I agree. Uh, she's... Now, she's finally getting back to her job, the internship that she picked up back in, what was Amazing Spider-Man number three. And she's working on that uh, fact channel where Jameson is also working. So he's kind of her boss in this position, which is a fun little, I don't know, crossover. It's nice to see Jameson. We haven't seen him in, what, six months? Right. Yeah. So yeah, he, he comes up and, you know, had the classic, you know, What's the story? You know, throw me a pitch. What are we going to do? And, of course, she can't keep her mouth shut. And is like, first thing she thinks of, Silk, why not? And he, of course, so I, I was kind of surprised. He he likes it. He runs with it. He's like, yeah. And, of course, immediately spins it. Like, you know, she's trying to do something good. And then Spider-Man stops her, which I was thinking he was going to go the Spider-Man route with Silk and be like, oh, you know, vigilante. But no, he, he just he can't get over his hate boner for Spider Man. That continues. Yep. Can't get over his what? <laughs> hey, hey, hate for Spider Man. I thought she said. No, that's not what she said. She said something she very say? specific. <laughs> what did she say? I totally missed it. What did she say? Said his hate boner for Spider Man. Excuse oh, me. Oh, 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 oh. I I heard hate. I don't believe okay. hate boner has ever been used on the show before. That's that's a new unless, one. Hate unless Jr. stone it out a time or two, and I just missed it. I've also never heard. Uh, what was your CB handle? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Watermelon, watermelon man. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, where were we? Hate boner. Go ahead. Oh yeah, so she she starts going with the silk story. She does some more reflecting. We have another flashback where she's talking to her brother, and they're bonding. And just walking and talking. She's going through reminding herself that more than anything, she needs to remember to find her family. You know, she's got all these distractions. You know, she's got the distraction of her job and, you know, at her job at the news station, her job as Silk. 
me see. But yeah, she's just, yeah. There's another thing where her her spider sense, which she tries to call her silk sense, has been completely overwhelming her, and she's been it, it goes off at the slightest little thing, like just this, like if it's a kid crying because of you know she's upset, and you know she of course you know has to run out, takes it like it's a, an actual you know call to uh call to call to action. Mm-hmm. So she's struggling with that. She runs into Dragonclaw again. <clears throat> Excuse me, and runs into him again. Knocks him out. Is kind of going through some growing pains with her powers and doesn't know her own strength yet. But we find her. She goes back to her apartment with her, or not her apartment. She's staying at a one of her coworkers' places, and you know, she's crashing on the couch or something. She goes in. She's reminded of how how out of place she is. She's been in a bunker for however many years, and she doesn't know how to act around people anymore. And she just feels that, coupled with her, you know, her overwhelming spider sense, she just wants some peace and quiet and wants to be alone again. So she goes and moves back into her, into the bunker where she, you know, where we first found her. Right. Because the wrench cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where isn't that where it ended? That's pretty much. Oh, and we get yeah. we do get to see uh, Black Hat makes an appearance in here. Oh, along with right. her cleavage, which we haven't seen in <laughs> I can't remember. So so a, are you going are you gonna be picking up the silk book for from now on? It's I mean it's got Black Cat <sighs> in it now. I won't be getting it day of, but I will keep up with it. That's cool. Well what what's your uh, grade on that? Final grade was a B plus. It was good. Oh, it, it was just, it was a really relaxing read. Like, there wasn't, yeah. it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't just hitting you over the head. It wasn't running every which way. Just, like, it had a direction, and it just kind of stuck with it. And there's just, it, it's just, it's a very calming read. What, what That sounds like it's that's a pro. What's a con for you? Nothing, nothing really happens. I mean, it is yeah. a setup issue, and it's more establishing her character, but even so, nothing really happens. Is the okay. is the the moral of this story that if you get a character away from slot, you can <laughs> you can actually start to like it? Yeah, there there are no bad characters, just bad writers. Is the conclusion that I've come to. Mm, very nice. All right, we've got a number another new female number one issue, and Zach's got that one with Spider Gwen. Who better to tackle it than Zach Joyner? There you go. What are you eating, by the way, George? Oh, can you hear that? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, what are you eating? Popcorn. Oh, there you go. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Spider-Gwen, number one, because yeah. you demanded it. Yeah. Actually, people did demand this one more than <laughs> Silk, I'll tell you right yeah, now. Yeah, this one was, uh, in fact, the letters page of number one actually acknowledges that this was literally created by by you for you. All right, Jason Latour, Ramon Perez... Uh, did the co- uh, did uh, did the cover? Uh, Bobby Rodriguez did the artwork. This is the same creative team that did Edge of Spider Verse number three. So same creative team, same everything. Um, all right. So our issue opens with uh, some guys defacing the Peter Parker milk carton, or otherwise known as a billboard. Um, which <laughs> the uh, vultures then, of course, have to make their appearance in this issue. And they begin attacking the taggers. Detective Grimm uh, was trying to stop the taggers, 
That's right. Benjamin J. Grimm is not the thing in this universe. No, he is a detective, and he gets his ass whipped. So, uh, meanwhile, Spider-Gwen is fighting her nemesis. Not the Vulture, but the Bodega Bandit. Yes, <laughs> that is her nemesis. The not-dead Captain Stacy is trying to call his daughter unsuccessfully. We then cut to Foggy Nelson with Captain Stacy and the comatose Ben Grimm because, well, he fell from five stories. Um, we also learn that the mayor is having a crusade against Spider-Gwen because if you haven't read Edge of Spider-Verse number three, you wouldn't understand this, but there is a small uh, recap page, so that kind of catches you up a little bit. Um, that, um, that particular issue, Peter Parker dies, Spider-Gwen gets blamed, and angst, angst abounds, and, and Gwen reveals to Captain Stacy that she is the Spider-Woman. And um, so he is told, uh, Captain Stacy is told that he has been taken off the Special Crimes Unit. Meanwhile, the Rhino is being beaten up by Frank Castle because even in this reality, despite the fact that he's not the Punisher, he's still a colossal asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, really. So Gwen goes to a dollar store trying to, or a pawn shop trying to pawn off a cash register that was recovered by Spider-Gwen. Uh, she unsuccessfully tries to get some more cash. It's not, it's not really working. But we then cut to uh, the TV, which are having an interview with the Mary Janes. The Mary Janes course, were uh, Gwen Stacy's band that she was a part of. She was the drummer. Uh, the three remaining members of the, of the band are being interviewed, and the big question is, what happens? Will the, will the Mary Janes quit before they start because of the lack of Gwen Stacy there? Because, you know, she's the star of the book, right? So uh, right. We, go to the, we then cut to the rehearsal. The rehearsal is uh, not going well at all because somebody's cousin... It's never really clear as to whose cousin it is. Uh, she um, can't just, just can't seem to get it right. Mary Jane starts throwing a fit. Randy Robertson comes in and says, "Basically, you need to, you need to rehire Gwen, otherwise you're gonna suck." Uh, Glory then quits. We then, of course, cut back. Uh, this entire time, Spider Gwen is eavesdropping on her old band. Uh, we then cut to um, her looking at the Daily Bugle, and um, Gwen gets this this great idea from the taggers that she's going to tag this city and uh, try to draw out the vulture. And so that's what uh, she does. with um, Literally paints the town. She paints the town green. There you go. Red. So yeah, she paints the town green, and uh, of course Vulture shows up. He's, you know, you poor... Confused child, hunted and hounded, and still you seek their approval? You know. Um, that kind of sounds like Walter from, from... No, that sounded like uh, uh, Mark Hamill. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's, not, that's a compliment. I'll take that. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> I'll take that every day of the it week. Was very, it was very Jokerish. I liked it. Uh, of, they fight, and then she falls off. And time runs out, as you can hear in the beeping in the background. Uh, right. She, fall, she is now falling into the water, a la Amazing Spider-Man number two, falling into a water tower. So. Right. Uh, What's your grade, sir? I'm going to give this a B. I, you know, it's a first yeah. issue. It's yeah. not a great issue. Uh, well, uh, not a great issue is not a good phrase. Um, 
it's it's a good issue. It's not great. It wasn't nearly the the excellence that that the first issue was. So I think there's some expectations that may be higher because yeah. of because of that previous issue. But I thought it was a very good start to the series. Um, the Vulture is one of my big cons of this because it's the Vulture. But I understand why they're bringing him in. Remember, Amazing Spider-Man Two. This is Gwen Spider Gwen's second story. There's some symmetry there. Maybe that's on purpose. Um, I can see that. Uh, so that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. I, I mean, the artwork is is good. It's not great. Uh, I can see yeah. if people aren't if you don't. This art style could be hit or miss for some people. So I well, I was kind of talking a little bit about this off air, but uh, the the digital format kind of helps with the reading on this. At least for me, I, I think I, I think I may have enjoyed it more reading it on a on a phone than maybe I would have possibly reading it in a standard comic book. So uh, okay. overall, it'd be cool. Uh, seeing as how this is the only issue you read, Jr., what, what what was your takeaway from it a little bit? I I really wasn't impressed. I mean, I actually kind of yeah. liked I, I liked her first appearance in the uh, Spider Verse comic. This yeah. just didn't do anything for me at all. It was it was hard to follow. I really didn't care for the artwork at all. It almost appeared uh, I don't know what it was. It was just it, it's like the whole issue is like fluorescent paint or something like that. Are you like you know like markers or whatever? It, it yeah. I didn't care for it. Yeah. So you're not going to pick up issue two, huh? No. No. All right. Uh, let's do Spider-Man 2099. We've got two issues, George. Eight and nine. Uh huh. <laughs> Sorry, I had to finish it. Uh, my mouth popcorn. was full. With popcorn, well, yeah. All right. What kind of what kind of popcorn do you pop down there in Texas? What do you got? Um, this Orville Redenbacher. No, normally normally I get the I get the Pop Secret. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm on a budget now, okay. so I'm using so I'm eating Kroger uh, movie theater butter popcorn because okay. it's, it's never uh, quite as good. Not quite as good, but it's it's. It's adequate to replace uh, Pop Secret. I think it's better than Act Two. Yeah, that's true. My 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 popcorn comparisons, I'm sure, are riveting for. <laughs> if you're not eating popcorn right now, you should you should be going out and getting some. If you're on a budget, if you po, <laughs> if you po folk, if you is po, if you can't afford the O and the R at the end of the word po, then the Kroger. Poor. I've gotten to the point now where Kroger peanut butter, you know, actually tastes better than Jif. Really? Okay. Yeah. okay. Are, are you from I, I, Louisiana by using the web po? No, oh. but um, but I I actually tried uh, uh, Jif and Peter Pan after I've been eating Kroger peanut butter now for months, and um, and Jif the Kroger peanut butter tastes better than Jif. It does not taste better than Peter, but nothing tastes better than Peter Pan. Uh, and <laughs> Skippy, lol, <laughs> lol, it's Skippy. Okay. <laughs> Sp- Spider Man twenty ninety nine eight nine. We're still in the Spider Verse, aren't we? Uh, yeah. Out of for, this well, for okay. for number eight, we are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, for uh, number eight uh, again, and both of these are from Peter David and Will Slaney. Uh, number eight, we pick up in the safe zone. You remember the one filled with dead people? Yeah. You know, like dead uh, Spider Captain Universe and and whatnot. Uh, where Miguel and Lady Spider are left pondering their fate. You know, what's what's going to happen to them now that 
they're in the safe zone and everyone else is dead. They're unsure if they're the only two spiders left in the multiverse, and the two heroes cling together for a brief moment before Miguel reassures Lady Spider that though they will die one day, it won't be today. The two come upon the shattered remains of the Leopardon robot and start to devise a plan to take on uh, the Inheritors. But repairing the master machine will require will require will I can't even read anymore. Will because you're eating too much peanut butter. <laughs> will require a lab. So Lady Spider uses the portal device to transport them back to her stomping grounds, the steampunky New York of 1895, known as Earth 803. Uh, and over in that reality, Lord Harold Osborne is asking his father's permission to use the stadium. Uh, to help his friend May, or as we call her, Lady Spider, who I believe is the mayor of that uh, of that city, right, uh, Ashley? I'm sorry for what now? Isn't not Lady Spider like the mayor of New York? I don't know. No, I think her like her maybe her family, someone in her family is. I don't think that She's she high actually. Society. Okay, yeah. All right. yeah, I thought she was the mayor. No. Uh, as Harold departs, his father, Norman Osborne, contacts his fellow six men of Sinistry in order to stage <laughs> an ambush on their nemesis. Over at the lab, uh, again that, called the stadium, uh, Miguel notes that they need a source to emit radioactivity since, according to their analysis of Deimos' clone body, that's a mouthful to say, kids, <laughs> the inheritors are somehow susceptible to it. While Lady Spider gets to work uh, on repairing uh, Leo Pardon, Peter contacts Miguel across space and time. Miguel is relieved to hear that Peter's alive and tells him that he and Lady Spider are working on a surprise for the Inheritors. Across the lab, Lady Spider is surprised when Lord Harold arrives to meet her. We find out that he's asked uh, her to dinner previously. <clears throat> but their reunion is cut short when the six men of Sinistry... Uh, which are, of course, the steampunk Sinister Six, arrived to kill Lady Spider. Things go from zero to 60 pretty quickly. Miguel takes the goblin out of the fight right before it, it can, almost before it can even get started by slashing his throat. I'm going to repeat that. Miguel's first move is yep. to slash the green goblin's throat. This isn't Peter Parker. No. Hell no. <laughs> I love it. Uh, with Norman down, Mysterio uh, flees. Mysterio literally just runs the F away. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and Otto engages Lady Spider while Vulture and Electro go after Miguel. Uh, Electro hits Miguel with his electrical generator bolts, and Miguel is blasted through one of the lab's large windows, colliding with a floating police gunship tube outside, which I thought was a police gunship tube, but then someone later uh, told me that that was Craven, who was like the sixth member. Right. So Craven, that was a, the guy who I thought was the floating cop, you know, hello, hello, what? What, what's up then, you lot? Is actually Craven. <laughs> uh, Miggy quickly overcomes the pilot, again, Craven, but back inside the lab, Otto, Electro, and Vulture corner Lady Spider. Uh, as they close in for the kill, Leo Pardon's head awakens, and his detached giant robot fist makes short work of Electro and Vulture. As Otto stares on in shock, Miguel guns him down with Craven's gunship's cannons. Lady Spider and Miguel complete repairs on the massive robot in 1895, not the future Dan Slot. Back at the Osborne home, Harold busts into his father's office to tell him about the villain invasion, but discovers to his horror that his father is the Green Goblin. Despite bleeding from his throat, Norman shoots Harold in cold blood with a pistol. <laughs> Leo Pardon's repairs completed, Miguel and Lady Spider right his shoulders, and the three head off 
to find Peter Parker and hopefully stop the Inheritors once and for all. Review! Eight, yes. A plus. Nice. Despite being part of a bloated crossover, uh, it, it didn't knock this grade down a letter uh, as it normally would. This issue was remarkably entertaining, and all of this was, com- uh, was completely wasted in Amazing Spider-Man number 14, which I, which <laughs> I explained uh, when we reviewed that book uh, on the regular review segment. Every bit of it. Just, just completely yeah. wasted. Any cons out of the book? No, not a one. This, this, uh, did, did, did anyone else read this besides me? Oh, I, I did. did. Did yeah. Am I alone here? I mean, was this not great? It's, I, I liked it quite a bit. I'm yeah. loving every issue. Zach, do you pick this one up or? He doesn't. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. No, I, I. I think I picked up this issue, or maybe next issue. I'm sorry. Okay. But I didn't pick up this. Issue. Why the hell aren't you following uh, Miguel? What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, you know, I, 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 he's got a kid. He can only have so many books. Yeah, and even then, I'm still getting the control. kid. Ain't here yet. <laughs> you got to save some money for the kid later. Oh, phooey. Yeah, J- Jr. Any, any, I know you love Peter David. Any interest in picking this one up? No. Okay. <laughs> but didn't you read Spider-Man 2099 in the 90s? I did, but it wasn't 3.99 a pop back then. Yeah, that's true. I'll give you. Oh, that. speaking of Peter David, a little off topic, yeah. but. Any fans of Halo and Halo's expanded universe, Peter David will be writing one of the novels coming out this summer. Oh, cool. I think they're about so to I'm move you guys out, aren't they? Halo, Halo, that's been in, like, they've been discussing it for the, like since 2009, and it's changed hands so many times they can never really settle on an idea, and it just hasn't really gone anywhere. I, I think I just created a word, movie eyes. Movie eyes. There you go. Yeah. I've never used that before. That's that's kind of sad. I've heard of hungry eyes, but never movie eyes. <laughs> yeah. Play, 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 play movie mode now. Movie eyes. Welcome, welcome to movie eyes. Um, uh, playing off of uh, George's review, uh, we're going to do another Peter David book. Uh, all new X Factor number twenty, written by Peter David, art by Carmine Di Giandomenico. That's wow. about as best good, good as I can do. Uh, the plot, Harrison Snow owns uh, Serval Industries. And uh, basically the setup, because this is the last issue of X-Factor, and it's a shame because I think it really is hitting a point where, I mean, it's just as good as the previous version. Granted, it's taken a, a while to get there, but I think it's, it's, it's solid. But I'm sad to see it go. So several, uh, Serval, I'm sorry, Serval Industries is basically, imagine if Bill Gates bought a superhero team to do good in the world. That's basically what X-Factor is now. And um, so anyway, to to focus on the Spider-Man aspects of this book, since it's an X-Book, Mr. Harrison, who owns that company, has a meeting at Alchemax. And uh, Tiberius Stone is kind of interested in buying out Serval. And so Harrison walks into the office and... Uh, it just so happens that Miguel O'Hara has his back to him and turns around, and they instantly recognize each other and uh, calls him Miguel. And Tiberius knows him as Mike, and they play it off like, oh, that's just a nickname I give him, Miggy, and stuff like that. So anyway, uh, Harrison's assistant uh, makes up some sort of excuse that uh, they need to go outside in the hall so Mike and uh, Harrison can catch up. So once uh, Tiberius uh, leaves the room, Miguel's very upset. He confronts 
uh, Harrison and, and says, what in the world are you doing here? Uh, last I saw you, you and your friend Barry were working on a time dilation equipment at Alchemex back in the year 2099. And Harrison says, well, uh, I killed Barry and I sent him home. <laughs> Uh, and Miguel uh, says that, you know, that 2099 that you sent him back home with, yeah, it's been changed. The Mastro is in charge of it now, and they, it's been pretty much destroyed. So Harrison then says that the reason he came to 2015 is to take down Alchemex, and he's going to do it with mutants. So he says he doesn't want Alchemex to reach the power that it had back in his time, which was 2099. And he said he's going to try to recruit as many mutants as he can. He's going to buy them and form teams so they can take down Alchemex. And uh, they'll become his employees. And once he gets all the mutants, all the X-Men, he's going to move on to the Avengers. And he eventually wants every superhero working for him to take down this company. And he'll steer uh, his company into the direction he wants. And Miguel is just disgusted by this. And he leaves. So the reveal of the last issue is that Harrison Snow is from the year 2099. And he's out to take down Alchemex. Uh, the pro of the book is uh, Peter David's scripts are always fun to read. The per- he has the perfect amount of characters. He doesn't shove uh, every mutant ever in the book of X-Factor. Uh, he has nice personal moments, etc. One of the best moments, it isn't Spider-Man related, but it's been leading up over time. Danger is a formed, uh, it's a female form of the Danger Room. That happened back in, who's that writer that you hate, George? Um, well, that doesn't narrow it down. Uh, <laughs> I was that's, just about to say that. Uh, that doesn't narrow it down. Who, who took on the X-Men back in the early 2000s that uh, was from Grant D.C.? Morrison. Grant Morrison. Yeah, Danger yeah. is a Grant Morrison a damn character. about him, yeah. Uh, again, like Silk, Danger is very entertaining, written by Peter David. And Danger has been trying, is, is basically the data of the next generation in this book. She's uh, learning about what it's like to be a human, and, and for the past 20 issues, she's been wondering what sex is like. And it just so happens that Warlock is on this team. And in the last issue, Warlock and Danger have sex. And it is a hysterical sex scene. It is very, very funny. Uh, the con of the book is that the book is actually ending. I think it's a solid book. And I, I think tying uh, Serval into 2099, maybe a bit earlier in the run, may have saved it just a little bit. But uh, I'm sad to see this book go. And this is probably, I mean, I'm almost positive that they're combining this plot thread from X-Factor with uh, 2099, and hence that is what the long-term goal of uh, Avengers 2099 is going to be during Secret Wars. So that's the setup, I think. Okay, what are the... Uh, I would give that... What, what would I give that one? I would give that one a B. That's my grade for X-Factor. I'll do X-Factor 20. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Ashley and Spider-Woman number three and four. All right. Hang on, let me just get them out. There is more, there are more female titles this month. There really I mean, are. There's there's more. Isn't there more Spider Women books now than there are Spider Men books? Yes. Wow. When is that ever? Well, we've got Silk, Spider Gwen, Spider Woman. Uh-huh. Amazing Spider Man twice a month, mm-hmm. and that's it. Well, we've well, got twenty ninety nine. And Miles. Yeah. Well, yeah three to three. Yeah. Four to three. Um, 
damn feminist are ruining everything. First man killer. First man killer. She's taking over. Uh, we, we need man killer number one. By the man way. killer number one. I'd buy it, damn it. By what we way, need, think... we need is one of them for be a, to be a trans man's. <laughs> where it's, yeah, where it's a woman going in, you know, who, who decides that she's really a dude. So, wow. question. Uh, so, this observation. This episode, we got what, 17 books? Yes. And most of them are either ending uh, either this month or, or this ne- upcoming month or the next month. Miles, uh, 2099. Well, we got it. We got another bloated event coming up. Yeah, Secret That's Wars true. is coming up. So. That's yeah, we're going to have a whole bunch of mess I'm going to cry yeah. when 2099 dissolves. Yes. Well, I mean, be so upset. Give Avengers 2099 a, a shot. Well, yeah, I, it's still going to be Peter David and Miguel is, I, I think, still going to be in it. He has to be. I mean, that's. I just wish he, he would. It, Miguel could still have his own book, and I think that's where Ashley's coming from, right, Ashley? I'm just well, going to go back and read the first, the original 2099 series over and over and over again. Yeah, and never gets go. old. That's a good call. There's a there's a big change between issue three and four of Spider Woman. It it uh, takes oh, a big shift. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get yeah. into that. Yeah, it's, go ahead. It's so refreshing. But anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> rewind the clock and. Strap yourself down because we're back in Spider Verse. No. So this leaves, I believe, Spider Woman number two or something left off where Silk trapped herself in the radiation world, and that was our, the first appearance of this world where you know the the inheritors can't follow her, but Spider People because of their you know radioactive spider powers are able to tolerate it a little more. So we we start back with her, you know, and in, in, in Spider Woman we start with Silk. Let's just, you know, let that sink in. It's not even Spider-Woman we're starting with. Right. And she's figuring out, you know, where do I go from here? You know, I finally got in a way. She's realized, you know, I need to get to safety. So, uh, oh, so we, we I, ha- I pose a question to our audience to see how well you've been paying attention. So she goes and makes herself a webs mat suit out of her organic webbing. How many eggs would she need to eat? <laughs> to produce the web fluid necessary to create this suit. If your answer is she would be dead from all the eggs she'd have to eat, you are correct. <laughs> she dies from some kind of egg poisoning. That's for the, the if, if for the fans that did not listen to uh, episode whatever it is, I just put out three sixty three. Go listen. Go listen to that. Uh, scientist did the protein of eggs versus how much organic webbing you would need. I listened to that the other night because sometimes I listen to the podcast yeah. while I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. And I was almost asleep, and then that bit came on, and it woke me right the hell up. <laughs> I was disturbed, and I was like, we're talking about 900 eggs and omelet. 900 <laughs> eggs for spider webs. Yeah, yeah that was, was great. Wow. Great, great. And she goes walking off into the cityscape with her new best friend who is a cockroach and totally not ripped off from Wally in any way, shape, or form. And so we start the book proper back in the loom world with actual Jessica Drew, where she's being schmoozed on by Morlin. I I can't even tell which. I think it's Morlin. He's got the stupid hairline. He's not the big dumb one, so it's not Demos. He's not the old one, so it's not the the old one. And he's not the twin, and the rest are women. So I think it's Morlin. All right. So that's Sounds good to me. Process of elimination there, but he's moving on her, and she's trying to, you know, be like disguise herself as this doppelganger that she has in the Loom world, who's also also Jessica Drew, and has been this uh, Moreland's girlfriend, and just kind of living the life. 
so she's not having any of it. She's just wanting to, you know, get away and do some, you know, find something that the other spiders can use to help them win. So she managed to get away by claiming that she has to go to the, like, yep, yep, she has to go to the bathroom. We, fair warning, there are a lot of bathroom jokes in this issue for whatever reason. So this is number one. So she okay. gets running off. And we go back to Silk, and she finds herself back in the bunker, which is her true home. And she gets herself set up there. And then we go back to Spider-Woman, where she runs into Mary Jane's cameo, punches her out, and starts climbing through the ducts. And when she finds herself in the bathroom, and we see some guy actually, like, standing at the urinal taking a whiz, I'm like, okay. Second bathroom joke, Mm -hmm. yeah. Keep count. Okay, we're up to two. So she manages to use her, you know, her teleporter's busted, thanks to Silk. <laughs> I can't even remember how that even that happened. It's been so long, but I remember it was Silk's fault. She uses that as a communi- uh, communicator to talk to Peter and kind of give him the rundown, making sure that, uh, you know, to, to get, you know, get everyone caught up or whatever. And yeah. she finally, she bursts out of the, the vent, that makes you kind of yeah she, she's heading towards the the main sewing chamber is what I've dubbed it to figure out trying to see what all she can find she's trying out the whole the uh oh I I can't even she's like being a what is the word is like complete espionage that's okay oh being a spy yeah, yeah, yeah. the word just completely escaped me for a moment but she <laughs> sees the uh she sees the master weaver, and she sees the web, and she sees... <laughs> and his great big ball. And she's like, wow, you know, I, I just managed to randomly walk into the one room I needed to be in. Almost as if it were planned, she hears his voice, as part of some grand design. Some like, great, they're making plot points about how convenient it is now. <laughs> to which I believe Peter literally says... That sounds convenient. Ho, 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 ho. So self-aware. So meta. <laughs> so they just... Nice. They take all this convenience and just explain it away. Oh, it's destined. It's fate. Like, no, that doesn't change anything. But she... Right. Uh, let's see. The Master Weaver addresses her and says, Hey, I have... You know, he explains, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. So immortal caretaker of the web of fate or the web of life or the web of time, whatever they can ever figure out what they want to call it. The web of convenience. Exactly. (laughs) And he gives her everyone's favorite part of Spider-Verse, the scrolls, the plot points extraordinaire. You you, you mean the aliens? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Scrolls. scrolls. Oh. That would be an interesting (laughs) twist. That would be a really yeah. remarkable twist. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is how they eventually find out about, you know, the the three totems and the uh how they defeat the the inheritors and whatever. And this is where all of this starts. She's about to just waltz off through one of the portals, but he shuts her down because no, that would be too easy. We've already have enough convenience in this issue already anymore and it would just collapse in on itself and he sends her tumbling literally head over heels and she cusses them out like <laughs> if, if it weren't since then I'm pretty sure that would be an F-bomb right there just, what the F man 
And he tells her that yeah. only the inheritors can travel through the web because if anyone else walks through, their inheritor sense will be tipped off and they will be. <laughs> they'll instantly know that one of the spiders. The inheritors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so she's stuck there and she's pissed off about it. And he's like, too bad. I've helped you all I can. So she goes off and pouts some more and has to go back to Moreland. But she's able to somehow the you know the teleporter is busted, but it can still teleport small items. So I don't understand how the technology works. Convenience, convenience again. Convenience. Yes. Had to squeeze out one little burst more. Yeah. So she managed to hide them behind her back and teleport them away before uh, before Moreland can figure out what she's hiding behind her back. Right. And she explains this by saying, "It's like." Why are you hiding your hands behind your bigger back? She's like, oh, they're just my hands. They're just wet. You know, from the bathroom. Number three. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Moreland, I think he channels the rest of our reaction. He says, if I hear another word about your restroom trip, that's enough. <laughs> yep. But so she later, she manages to escape. We never really see. She's just suddenly in the middle of the, at the harbor, taking a speedboat out. And she runs into the pirate ship that made an appearance in the first or second issue, whichever one it was. <clears throat> and she runs into her her doppelganger, which she thought she had, you know, sent off and knocked out. But no, she has just become the pirate queen of this world and wrapped all the men and pirates around her finger. And she takes her hostage. But she says, <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me, I need to get some water. But she's saved by Spider-Gwen and Silk, who have jumped in. I think this ties back in with uh, number 13, amazing number 13, where they decide to rebel. They don't want to be told what to do, and so they teleport to the Loom world and get themselves in even deeper shit than they were before. And they hug it out and (laughs) get ready. (laughs) There should be more of that in comics. Mm-hmm. There's so much love right now, so much love. <laughs> and they have another joke at the expense of Gwen's popularity. What, they oh, say? what, what was the joke? It's I don't a, remember. Uh, Jess, Jess says something like, Have I mentioned that I like the mouthy pink one? And Silk says, Everyone does with a scowl on her face. Uh, and so we end. The mouthy pink says, one? Yep, because... You know, the, the magenta highlights on her costume are pink. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so, that issue, what would you give that issue for a grade? Oh, I gave this one a D. I was just so sick of the yeah. jumping back and forth between yeah. Jess and Silk. It just, like we've talked before, like even Jess can't mm-hmm. be a star in her own book. The no. bathroom humor was just like, like it's literally toilet humor. Like, why are we doing this? It's just kind of embarrassing. We're having everything explained away as a joke. Like, ha-ha, she was in the bathroom, but she wasn't, but she actually was. And, like, what? I, I just don't even get it. And then we have the major, just the con- the utter contrivance and convenience of, you know, these scrolls and her running into the, you know, the master weaver. And it's just a lot of bullshit. Who's, ri- yeah. who's, who's writing this one again? Oh, it's uh, Hopeless. Yeah. Dennis Hopeless. That is an unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate name. 
Isn't it though? Highly. Uh, how, however, let's go to four. It, I think it gets significantly. Better. Oh hell yes! Like this is. Yes. I've read this and I, I'm just like I'm. Not, I'm gonna. It's not even like the same book. I mean, seriously. I know it's completely, completely, just so much better. And it actually yeah. got me really hooked on Jess's character, and I'm like, I actually want to read more, and I want to. You know, I, I was debating, you know, do I want to um, keep up with this Beyond Spider-Verse? And this kind of helped answer, you know, push that towards, you know, yes, I do want to continue it. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of Skype conversations. Do I need to, like, check this? Like, does this involve me? No, it's... it's oh, it's just some side, it's just some side stuff. We got okay, I want to make sure. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll, stop, we'll stop now. I know how distracting that can be. I didn't think you could No, I just want to so make we'll sure stop. there was no one saying, it's like, Ashley, you know, we can't hear you, or you're like, move your mic, and I'm just well, I, going I did, on. I did you. say Ashley talks a lot, but I didn't, you know... No. Yeah. <laughs> we okay, talked well, so much we'll get you yours, George. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, she's valiant revenge. I think I might have to stay for this one. To be continued. <laughs> in a better issue. So it took four issues before Jessica Drew actually gets to shine in her own yes, book. But she has to co-star yeah. with Jessica Drew, or Pirate Queen Jess, who was actually really right. fun. So we start yeah. off with Pirate Queen Jess, who's going on, living the life, controlling all these men around her with her, you know, her pheromone powers and getting them to do her bidding, which she is just lapping up. It's really, it's really fun to see her just enjoying and reveling in just how much people will cater to her and how she can manipulate them. There's just something enjoyable about that. And we get the added revelation that the the pirate that she was traveling with, who is the original captain of the ship that she uh, that she overthrew, is Namor, and it's probably oh, the, oh. the most clothed that we have ever seen him. He's actually wearing a jacket. Instead of right. going bare chested and you know well, speedo, he, there was a period in the '90s where he wore clothes. I think I've when seen was, some of uh, some John John Byrne stuff, the Namor Submariner book. Yeah, yeah, he was like a CEO. Yeah, but yeah, they're boarded again. You know, there's moment of peace is interrupted by Silk and Gwen and Anya, who've come to divulge this like the oh we finished Spider Verse but we're here to tie up the loose ends. Oh, excuse me. And they, she's back with uh, with Spider Woman. I'll I'll, I'll try and distinguish them like Spider Woman and Pirate Queen Jess. So we're not just Jess and Jess all the time. But we have mm-hmm. a little page recap of Spider a Spider Verse. It's like oh, us Spider people were off fighting a war with those those pesky, unkillable inheritors. Oh, gee, Willikers. The odds were stacked. <laughs> the fate of billions hung in the balance. It was a real keister clincher. Whoa. But when the <laughs> what a what a, what, what a word that is. Right? We've had we've had some uh, interesting sayings in this recording I know, today. Keister clincher. Uh, man. This what do you think of that watermelon man? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a thing. You cannot That's a thing, watermelon man. <laughs> I have to Who you know the watermelon man, the watermelon man? <laughs> That is not a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. You hear? You, keist, you keister clincher. Oh look. oh, look. It's a giant bag of go F yourself. <laughs> and there's enough for everyone here. <laughs> Remind me of why I stayed up for this. <laughs> you could be laying on your keister right now sleeping. <laughs> because you'd rather be here than laying next to your wife. 
Uh, oh. oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> to most people, that's an insult. To JR, it's like, oh, that's okay. Uh, JR's like, boy, uh, I ain't lying. Uh, <laughs> wow. Sorry, we didn't mean to interrupt you, Ashley. Oh, no, 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 no. It's cool. But see, it, it's not like we're just recapping Spider-Verse here. There's really nothing to interrupt. She says, what I'm saying is we won the war. The Inheritors are in a cage. She's really in this to Pirate Queen Jess, who does not give a shit, which is the proper reaction. But they're saying, you know, there's a power vacuum left by the Inheritors. You know, now that they're gone, they were the rulers of this world. Now there's this big rebellion. There's a struggle, you know, to see who's going to come out on top, who's going to take over next. So Spider-Woman is trying to push on the Pirate Queen Jess that, you know, you've got a responsibility. You know, you've got to, you know, step up here and do something. Which begs the question, you know, why is she coming to her in the first place at all? It's not like any kind of leadership was seen from her before. I mean, we saw that she was very beloved by the, the, like, the general people. You know, she's constantly getting gifts and, you know, people wanting to touch her. But I can't. (laughs) I can't. I don't see any real impetus. Like, oh, you know, this is the definitely the person you'd go to to you know to solve your problem here. But okay, we're not really getting much of a a background or a um, a drive for you know why this is happening. But it's happening, so we'll just go with it. And there's an interesting little point where they discuss, you know. Which one of us is like the original Jess? You know, she's, you know, maybe uh, Spider Woman says, you know, maybe this is like the worst case scenario me, a me who had to sacrifice everything to stay alive. To which uh, Pirate Queen Jess responds, you know, what if you're the outlier? You know, what if uh, all the rest, and what if all the rest of the Spider Women are me first realists just like me? And so they have this little conflict of their ideologies and their priorities. But the second, uh, Spider-Woman clarifies to her, I'm not asking you to fight, I just want you to lead. And she's like, oh, that's completely different. If I'm going to have everyone, you know, uh, adoring me and listening to my every whim, I'm all for that. So she commands her ship to take her ashore. The, let's see, Anya, Gwen, and Silk take down some of the, put down some of the rebellion and insurgencies that are going on. They take down some robots, have some banter. Yeah. See, and then still are not still. Um, Pirate Queen Jess uh, goes to the people and speaks before them and says, you know, uses her. She's able to use her pheromone powers, you know, to which I, I guess their powers are equivalent. It was never really quite explained, but she has some similar manipulative ability to get people to like her. Well, is it is it people or just men? Because Je- uh, Jessica just works on dudes. Mm-hmm. You see, like they never really go into that. Like you see, like in the beginning, she's like you know she has the you know the pirates doing like listening you know on her uh, waiting on her hand and foot. But then, so you, I mean, most of them are men. So you think you know it's a it's a one to one translation right there. But then uh, Spider Woman's telling. Pirate Queen Jess, and it's like, oh, you know, you can. Everyone will listen to you, whether it's uh, whether it's real or not. Yeah, she says they'll follow you because they love you. Is it manufactured in disingenuous affection? Sure, but we make do with what we have. 
So, I don't know, it seems like it applies to everyone. Right. Yeah, so she becomes their leader, and they all love her. And that's the end of that. We end up, Spider-Woman finally ends up back in Manhattan. She's back home, and we get to see her with Carol again, and they're just chumming it up, being best girlfriends, eating donuts. That's, that's the best part, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's just this really refreshing. Yeah. Like, it really cemented, like, oh, things are back to normal. Like, she's just eating donuts with her best friend. It's just kind of a really, it's it's a sweet moment. Did she did she get the new costume in, in this one? Next issue. But she does, issue, uh, yeah. she teases yeah. it. She, like at the she end, te- she's yeah. telling, like, oh, I'm getting a costume. But she's going up to the Avengers Tower to... To, to quit. To, uh, I think to tell Captain America she's quitting, yeah. Yeah, to reveal that she's quitting. And they get a, you know, they have a fight, they fight the this weird monster inside of a moon and we there's really no point to have this fight other than give Jess a gun and make her look cool which it accomplishes so I'm not really going to complain she gets to rage and she just spits it out right there you know I quit I'm done with the Avengers I'm tired of having all this shit in my life there's just this too much and so they would it be be nice to see Spider-Man say that yeah. <laughs> just I like, mean, wouldn't no. it be nice? No. I'm done. Yeah. Like, so, what, what was your grade for the last one again? Oh, the last grade? Uh, it was a Number B. three. So, what's your grade for number Say four? Say B minus. Oh, look at that big improvement. Very big improvement. Yeah. And I just got number five today, and I'm excited uh-huh. to read it. Cool. All right, Zach. Uh, we got It's clone time. Scarlet Spiders number three. Scarlet Spiders number three. Um... Yes, this is the final issue of Scarlet Spiders. It's written by Mike Costa, art by Paco Diaz. David uh, Nakamura did the cover. Now, the cover, i got to say, is pretty pretty darn awesome. Uh, the summary was, the Spider-Verse marches on, Scarlet Spiders, Adventure of the Spider-Verse reaches its epic conclusion. We'll stop Genix. Yeah, so, anyway, picking up where this last issue left off, um, Genix is faced... Uh, ben Riley and Kane are facing Genix. Now, from this point on, I'm not going to call him Genix. I'm going to call him Ra's al Ghul because, quite frankly, <laughs> that's exactly who he is in this entire series. Dude, it looks exactly like him. Oh, yeah. it gets worse. Think about wasn't, it. Wasn't Last... that the one that killed Spider-Monkey? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the one that killed Spider-Monkey. And on top of that, think about this for a second. Ra's al Ghul has, you know, his Lazarus pit... But Genix gets killed three times in this issue and keeps coming out of his little pod, which looks like a pit. Come on, it's so on the nose. You can't really. Well, they yeah, but yeah, but they all do. They're all those inheritors. They're they've all got all that clone shit going. I I, I know, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's like this guy looks like Rachel Ghoul. I mean, it's just ah. Anyway, so not Rachel Ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> is uh is fighting Ben and 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 Ben and Ben and Kane. Kane and Ben are fighting him. Meanwhile, Jessica Drew, aka the ulti- the ultimate Black Widow, is fighting is trying to uh, hack into the to computer systems. She uh, to stop, stop the cloning from to stop the cloning right? from happening. Right. So so they she finally gets access to these to these guns where. It completely vaporizes one of the one of the not racial ghouls. So 
<laughs> Ben's like immediately like, okay, you've got to disable that. And she's like, why? I, I just got I just got into this. And he's like, it might fall into the wrong hands if, if these other guys get in the pod and you know jump out of the pod. They might kill us and everything like that. Fair enough. Throughout this issue, though, Ben is highlighted. I mean, this is this is really Ben's issue, and they they go through some of the stuff that he's that instead of Peter um, going through like the death of Dr. Octopus, he actually beats Otto Octavius. Um, uh, during the, it, it talks about him getting his butt kicked during the electro uh, face tattoo storyline with Dexter Bennett. Um, references that. Uh, it references Marla, Marla Madison, who built Spider Slayers, uh, being saved instead of being killed. So uh, she, he gets the recognition from Jonah that, that Peter never got. So basically it's con- con- contrasting what Peter uh, didn't do. And it's basically what if uh, everything went right. That's what Ben Riley is all about uh, in this universe. So anyway, um, Kane starts losing control. He also kills one of the Gen X too, but he keeps coming back. They continue to fight, and uh, eventually Ben realizes that uh, there is no other. There's no other way out. So um, they've got to blow up this facility because every every bit of the the web comes through this. Uh, the strand comes right through here. That's what led them to this place. So Ben um, gathers up some exploding grenades and just completely blows off the entire uh, top half of the building. Uh, ben and, or excuse me, Kane and Jessica get to safety. Kane gets pissed and then he goes goes directly into the world, which le- or into the um, inheritors layer world thing. Which leads in, which is directly uh, referenced in Amazing Spider-Man 14. So, uh, overall, I'm going to give this a C. I uh, that's rough. The, but you haven't, you're giving it a C. Uh, I gave I gave both the other issues a B's, but this is a C, and I think it's because uh, this was like, oh crap, we've got to wrap this up now. Yeah, um, it was very rushed. The, uh, I'm going to complain about the artwork for a second. Uh, Jessica fights Human Torch for a brief bit, and then she, you know, her, her her clothes get damaged. There's these these slits cut in her boobs area that, like, if if, if it was like, a, like three inches lower, you see nipple. I just that's like okay, okay, that's just gratuitous at this point. I mean, come on. Um, some of the, uh, have complained about some of the uh, anatomy issues with this. It, they just kind of look weird. The, the bodies are kind of almost too long, and you know sometimes you see you see squatty bodies where the torso is is not long enough. This is the exact opposite. They kind of look freakishly long. So uh, it, it, the artwork was okay. Does it, uh, look Rick, like, does it look like Frank Quietly, where everybody looks like a humanoid version of that alien from Close Encounter? <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not quite. I, I, the, I think the faces are much better than Frank Quietly's, quite frankly. But, yeah, the, the torsos are almost too long. Um, the, yeah. And, of course, the, the, the boob slits uh, were, were unnecessary. Did we find a better thing to say than boob slits? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, had, we had something a minute ago. What was it? Boob windows? I don't, I don't know. No, no, no that's we had What? No, we had we had some word that we were just like that's awesome. We where did that Can come we from? call it a flap? <laughs> Can we call it a comeback? Yeah, yeah. Go, I mean, anyway, but uh, it just it 
I mean, it's a C. I mean, it, the the writing was look. I like the fact that they highlighted Ben finally. That's what I really wanted to see. But but he dies. But he dies. Yeah, he he kills himself. Yeah. And and I've had we were having this debate over on Spidey Dude whether or not this was a better death for Ben because uh, and I can was it yes and no. In one way, he it's the exact same because he sacrifices himself to save a Spider Man. Or in this case, a Spider-Man and Spider-Woman. Um, mm-hmm. The one pro about it is that he knew he was going to die, whereas with Sp- Peter Parker Spider-Man seventy-five, he gets stabbed in the back and then falls like thirty stories. Um, yeah. At least he saw this one coming, so I think that's a better death. But at the same time, I, I prefer the, the the Spider-Man seventy-five death over over right. this one. I would have liked to have seen him participate in the final battle, I, I think the sacrifice was almost unnecessary. That's part of my biggest problem with it. You've got uh, two more, Zach. You've got Miles number 9 and number 10. Yeah, Miles number 9. Uh, now, yeah. uh, last month, my my synopsis was very brief because it was basically um, father and son sitting down, having a popsicle, and, uh, and having a, a long overdue discussion. And, and this is this is Bendis. This is Bendis. So yeah. um, Bendis basically continues on that same trajectory that uh, that began last issue. This issue is talking about. It was revealed that um, that uh, Miles's father is was a shield agent, an undercover shield agent, and his task is to infiltrate the kingpins. Um, the Kingpin's organization, and as he now okay, Jefferson Davis. Nobody's noticed this, I guess, but me. But as, as I was reading it, it kind of popped in my head. Jefferson Davis. Do you know who, historically who what the name Jefferson Davis is all about? Go ahead, Jordan or George probably knows. Jefferson Davis was the name of the Confederate president. Yeah. So a black man's name is Jefferson Davis. I think that's a little unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the book? Yeah, in the book. I mean, Jefferson Davis. Eh, okay. So, I guess I'm the only one that thought of that. Anyway. I, d- I didn't even catch that, yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, it basically explains how Kingpin, you know, was trying to sell on the black market um, mutant growth hormone, which in the Ultimate Universe, the mutant gene was concocted by the government. So, um, <laughs> yes. Yes, that's, that's yeah. They're, they're not. They're Did you not, not know that one, George? No. All yeah, right. it, it, was, it was the government's <laughs> fault. <laughs> Mutants were created in a test tube. Uh, yeah. We also get the uh, we also get the Toad, who uh, is like straight out of X Men One, like straight out of X Men One. Uh, he makes it. He makes an appearance with the big tongue with the big giant that, tongue yeah. and eating flies and birds and stuff like that. Not not really, yeah. but you know you know what I mean. Um, and basically, at the end of the issue, Miles' dad and Miles kind of finally get to a sort of a peace. Um, we, we, you know, we've been hinted at with both this volume and the previous volume that there was more than meets the eye to, to Miles' father. Um, by the way, that cover is a complete and utter lack of a uh, pack of lies. So if you were expecting like Miles Morales to suit up and become an agent of Shield, that, that didn't happen. It did not. It did not happen. But uh, that's that's about that's issue nine in a nutshell. But you're great. I'm going to give this a uh, uh, B plus. I, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was good. There wasn't a whole lot to it. I got to give some mad props to Marquez 
for doing or for the artwork in this issue. Yeah, dude, Be- he's awesome. Because the flashback scenes were um, were there was a different, completely different art style to it than the than the present day scene. So it kind of gives it a bit of a gritty noir. Um, Kingpin looks very menacing in this in this particular issue. Very different than the Ultimate Spider-Man with Bagley and, and yes, yes, the original Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that leads us to issue ten, which is um, Hydra. <laughs> All these Hydra goons in the shape of Hydra, the Hydra logo with Miles Morales spotlighted in the center. Very, very unique cover. I like it actually a lot. So uh, Jefferson da- um, Jefferson Davis has returned. You know that's the previously on Ultimate Spider Man, which this is infinitely better than the cartoon. By the way, by the way, I- I'm glad that uh, that bullet was bit by George and not by me because because George has been more positive sometimes than I ever would be. Uh, well, we're we're gonna review the Ultimate Spider Man Spider Verse when they're all done airing. Oh, yeah. I think it's gonna get they're they're airing this month. All five parts. Aren't we yeah. lucky? George and I are, aren't we lucky? We're gonna I, heard, I say we round we round out that podcast with that. <laughs> I, I um I've heard that the cartoon's actually better than the comics. I, I I don't know that for sure, but I've heard that there was actually sort of You mean the, the comic that's based on that cartoon? Yes. That the cartoon's oh, yeah, actually ne- better. Ne- never gonna read that one. Uh, uh go ahead. Go ahead. All right, so um our, our issue ten opens up with Maria Hill uh, going into going into this facility where she finds some uh, Hall- ha- finds a Halloween mask of, of of the Ultimate Spider-Man, which is actually the Peter Parker version. We then cut to the Brooklyn Visions Academy where uh, um, the principal is having a discussion with uh, with Jefferson, um, basically saying you abandoned your child for like. Six to eight months to a year, so you're a jackass. <laughs> not really. I, that's not what he said. But uh, we do cut to um, Morales swinging through the city and, and kind of doing some exposition as to what his thought processes are. And um, Electro and Sabretooth show up. And it's, yeah. you know, and, and, and Miles is like, "Oh, it's time to be the superhero," but. Uh, he decides, eh, I'll just let them beat each other up. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Electro versus Sabretooth, right? Exactly. Let them fight it out. Yeah, let them fight it out. I mean, why, why exert more energy than I already have to? But, of course, Miles has to kind of step in because a telephone pole gets struck, and it's nearly it's falling on a – it's starting to fall on a school bus. So um, after he saves the kids in the school bus – Sabretooth and Electro legs, so uh, should we do a team up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was slightly Sabretooth from X1. Yeah, I tried. Uh, yeah. Then, of course, then, uh, because. Oh, you're doing voices? I'm sorry, I, did, I missed it. I, I, it's not, it's not, uh, what were you doing? Uh, I was doing Sabretooth. Um, of course, now we also have to remember that ultimate, all new Ultimate is ending this month, so we have to see Cloak and Dagger show up to help out with Sabretooth and Electro. Oh God! Because you know, team up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after after those two are dispatched, we uh, they, the three of them are discussing what to do next. As my wife is poking me in the eye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get married real soon. 
You're going to soon. Uh, will you quit? I'm ready for bed. I know you're ready for bed. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's my wife making her first appearance on this podcast, guys. There you uh, go. Is this going to be like Bailey's wife? She was always trying to seduce him or something yeah. when he was on the podcast. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Pardon me while I go get some very white music to lay under this review. Now, basically, uh, the conversation between Dagger and, and Miles is about his his girlfriend. Now, remember, Miles revealed his identity to his girlfriend, and she kind of freaked out. So they tell him, "Hey, go to her house. You need to talk to her. You know, don't be a douche. You need to discuss things with your girlfriend. Get things on the right track, right?" right. So uh, Grinky. Is in his underwear. <laughs> Zach's drinking. <laughs> uh, Granky, you know, is is Miles's confidant. He's confidant. Foggy yeah, he's his foggy Nelson, and yeah. um, he is he is jamming out. He's got his headphones in. His 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 phone or iPad iPod is his microphone. He's doing the risky business thing. Where he's lip syncing or singing out loud, and of course Miles has to walk in on him. So right. um, Miles, so, Miles get the get the change of clothes, goes to talk to Katie, and uh, needless to say, her dad answers. And it's a pretty good pretty good scene with the father, right? Yeah, he, he he's like uh, asking if she's here. She's out with her mom and sister, but they just texted they'll be back soon. He's like, maybe I should come back, and he's like. You know, he gets him a drink of water and starts asking him a, a few questions. And and um, he's like, so where'd you get your spider powers? Uh, he's like, you might as well tell me because it'll be easier that way. And he realizes that the water that, that uh, her dad gave him is drugged. Yep, he's been slipped a Mickey. He's been slipped a Mickey and uh, hail Hydra. Uh, yeah, the dad, dad yells, Hail Hydra. The, the book ends on that one. Yeah, and the uh, next next issue will be the cover, according to the cover, Doctor Doom with Spider-Man. Right. What's your grade on that one, sir? I'm going to give this an A. I, I, this, is, this was a little more enjoyable. The last one was so much exposition, yeah. it was kind of like, oh, we got to do this issue basically to start wrapping things up because Secret Wars. Um, right. That, to me, is... This one, we're finally getting some resolution with... with uh, Katie and, and, and Miles, a relationship I actually have liked uh, for the most part. Yeah. And and I think, uh, the, look, the artwork is consistently good. We could sing its praises every time, but I, I feel like sometimes it gets monotonous saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, Marquez was born to draw Spider-Man. I think he does a phenomenal job. I would love to see him in the amazing Spider-Man rotation. Yep. Um, post post Secret Wars, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. So I, I like this issue a lot, and and, and uh, have nothing but good things to say. I heard uh, I heard Doctor Doom, or or pardon me, Ultimate Doctor Doom, is, uh, is like a satyr now. What the hell is up with that? He's like a what? Like a satyr. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Satyr. In mythology, he's got the it's... cloven feet, and he's got right. the kind of the oh, digitigrade yeah. legs. Yep, yep. He yeah, he he's got that. Yeah, I forgot about that. The, the ultimate Doctor Doom is just a smidge better than the 20th Century Fox Doctor Doom. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what's your grade on ten, sir? Ten, <coughs> ten was number ten. A, a, 
I gave her a name. And, and because you're going to have to go because your wife's poking you in the eye. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm writing these down so when we do a review at the end of all the grades. So Scarlet Spiders out of you is a C. Miles, number nine, is a what? Uh, that was a B, my, a B plus. B plus. And number ten was an A. <laughs> Zach, thank you for being on, sir. Yep. Go tent to your very pregnant wife. Yes, yes, I have to. And I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'll, yeah, dude. I will see you all soon. See you later, Z. Peace. See you, Zach. Bye. All right. Okay, so I actually uh, knew what a satyr was, and the, where, and the rest of you are just uncultured hicks. That's true. I, I, went, I, I had to, uh, once you said the hoof and feet, I was like, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. Uh, let me do, uh, playing off of the Ultimate Universe, let me wrap that damn, this book called Ultimate Number 12 up. All New Ultimates Number 12, written by Michael Fiffy, art by Amaclar Pena. Uh, the plot, the opening page is like a recap page, uh, and uh, it has a list of all the characters with lines attached to them. So they have a little box of a face, and the lines are attached to them. Kind of like if you ever read the Family Circle comic strip that's in the Sunday paper. Remember the little boy? He goes around the city, and he has little footprints everywhere where he's been. Well, this is kind of a similar footprints thing, but... Uh, just like the little boy in Family Circus, this has no damn rhyme or reason. I've often complained that this book has too many characters, and this just hits the uh, pinnacle of it. We have in this book, the little box, the head boxes in the first page has Spider-Man, Bridget O'Reilly, don't remember who she is, Terror, the Bingle, the Crippler, the Taskmaster, Ecstasy, Crossbones, Sidewinder, Diamondback, Mr. Jip, Bombshell, Cloak and Dagger, Kitty Pride, and Black Widow. That is the cast of this horrible, horrible book. Uh, as we left the, the, the Spider Friends, uh, Mr. Jip, who I really don't know what he di did or does. Uh, anyway, he's all drugged up and he's huge, and the whole team is wanting to fight him. So they fight him, and eventually uh, they, they phase inside of him, I guess, due to Kitty, Kitty Pride. And once they get inside him they realize that Mr. Jip is wrapped around his heart. So the, the normal size Mr. Jip is wrapped around his heart inside this giant, giant man-looking thing. Okay, technically, aren't we all wrapped around our hearts? Well, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, I really... There's just a big fight that goes on. Uh, Dagger is outside telling him to come towards the light. He does, and once he comes out of himself, he dies. Yes, exactly. That makes no damn sense. The team then at the very end breaks up for no apparent reason, probably because they're canceled. Uh, and they can't even keep that going because they instantly say, hey, why don't we just team up again? So that's how the book ends. Uh, the pro, the comic book is over, thank God. Also, there's a uh, a pro is uh, there's a Where's Waldo cover on this book, and it's appropriate because there's so many damn characters in this book. Literally, I counted there's like 50 people on that cover, and that's an accurate representation of how many people were crammed in this book, and all confusing as hell. Uh, the con, like I said, very confusing. I'm not quite sure. At the very end, it's like several pages of a character joining Damage Control. But I have no idea who these two characters are that's talking. One is Mr. Jip's associate, but I don't understand who this other woman is. Uh, I just don't understand why the team broke up. Uh, maybe it's because the fans demanded it, like myself. Grade F. Horrible, horrible book. So so you this 
you have consistently talked about how terrible yeah. this book is. Yeah, twelve for a, a full year. You bought years. it for a year. You bought the entire run. I bought the entire. How run. How does that yes, make I you did. feel? Uh, what 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 did I spend? Let's let's take a look at this. Four dollars times twelve. My God, did I spend a lot of money on that? That's awful. Because I I, I remember what I felt like after yeah. I, you know I, I had to buy all of new warriors. Yeah, and I felt violated. <laughs> that was when remember that was when I started saying that life is too short for bad comics. That's and true. I, I was I mean, like, I refuse to buy stuff now. Well, I love the Miles Morales character, and I wanted to see what he is doing in another book. And he doesn't work without Bendis. I, I mean, he just doesn't work on a team like that. I mean, he's, he's – I just – it did not work. Uh, we're getting towards the end of this stuff. Let me see. What, what else we got? I've got two books. George, you've got two books. You I've want me to go first? You, you've, oh, you've got Howard the Duck, and you've got Guardians 23 and 24. You want I me to go again? Four or you, books, because I still got to do Spider-Man 2099, number nine. I thought you did that one already. No, I did eight. Oh, well, hell, George. All right. I did eight, <laughs> do, and you do, decided it was time to butt in. Oh. <laughs> I thought we were done with 2099. It's because you don't listen okay. to any of this. What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man 2099, number nine, which sounds I'm redundant. I'm going to trade with JR. I'm going to do spider history, and he can do satellites from here on out. What do you say, JR? Sure, why not? JR, from any of these books, have you had an inclination to say, you know what, I'm dropping four bucks? <laughs> not in the slightest. <laughs> There's not even one that you're like, mm, maybe. Well, if 2099 had stuck with its original premise, maybe, but uh, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've no interest in Avengers 2099. Right. This one, uh, number nine, the Maestro comes in. Maestro. Maestro. Maestro, sorry. They, you know, they're like orchestra conductors. Yeah, conduct it. Go. <laughs> oh my God! All right, so uh, twenty ninety nine number nine again by Peter David and Will Slaney. Uh, this follows the events of Amazing Spider Man fifteen, uh, where Miggy got sent home to the twenty ninety nine timeline, or that was the plan anyway. Something apparently went awry, and Miggy winds up in a devastated shadow of his home timeline with Nueva New York, or or the Nueva York, not Nueva New York. That that's a that's like saying the same. That's like saying New New York, uh, with Nueva York in ruins. While pondering who, what, when, where, and how, he is ambushed by two survivor slash scavengers, Ash and Sunner. Miggy feigns unconsciousness to draw his attackers in and turns or uh, turns the tables on them, threatening them with death unless they take him to the camp where other survivors are operating from. Upon arrival, Miggy and the others discover that the camp has been emptied of survivors. As they put the pieces together, they're attacked by some sort of assault squad. Miggy does well enough against them until a thundershock knocks him to the ground. Looking up, he sees Maestro, the future imperfect Hulk. And, uh, some, and I put this in my review. Some people were wondering, or I'd seen elsewhere uh, on our boards and on the Internet, so some people were wondering where Spider-Man 2099 and Maestro ever met before. Uh, and the answer was uh, when Peter David was writing Captain Marvel. Right. Yep. And it happened in uh, number 29 and number 30 from 2002. And uh, it was when uh, uh, Miguel and, uh, and uh, Captain Marvel uh, ganged up on Maestro. And it was actually a pretty, pretty entertaining couple of issues. Yeah, I like that Captain Marvel run. I do too. Um, 
So Maestro surmises that Spider-Man 2099 has been time-traveling and requests that Miguel take him along when he leaves. Miguel agrees in order to stall for time, but the Maestro is smart enough to recognize the ruse, and he quickly attacks and hands Miguel one of the worst one-sided ass-kickings he's ever taken in his entire <laughs> life. Literally, there's, uh, there's uh, at one point, you know, Miguel's like, oh, yeah, I felt a rib break. Oh, yeah, there goes another. <laughs> uh, with Miggy subdued, the maestro ties him down to a mutated pack animal, and they, along with the maestro's assault team, head back to Dystopia, which is the maestro's futuristic uh, castle palace. While they travel, the maestro reveals to Spider-Man that an Alchemex project eventually led to a global nuclear war, which is why his timeline is currently in such a star in such a star starry sorry state. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> Along the way, Ash and Sunner behold the fate of their fellow survivors. Uh, Maestro murdered them and tied their bodies to a Hollywood-esque sign near Dystopia. It was instead of saying Hollywood, it says Maestro. <laughs> it's overlooking uh, his castle. <clears throat> While staring on in horror, Maestro crushes their their heads and presumably adds their bodies to his grisly monument. After arriving at Dystopia, the maestro has Miguel thrown into his dungeon where he runs into a familiar soul, Strange, the Sorceress Supreme of 2099. She's imprisoned yeah. in Maestro's dungeon as well, held by chains in what appears to be some sort of ritual trap on the floor. Uh, this yeah. gets a B+. I miss Lady Spider uh, not being here now. Um, I've grown accustomed to her face. <laughs> accustomed yeah. to you. Yeah. The no. the original plotting of this book keeps getting pushed back due to events, and that uh, that's another negative. Uh, for example, like Tempest Cure and Liz and Mal Alchemex and uh, yeah. you know Ty Stone and everything else. Uh, we leave a bloated event and enter into a secret war setup, which is itself another bloated event, uh, but even more bloated, really. Uh, yeah. But this time it's unfamiliar ground. So it's not as bad. Yet at the same time, I feel like we're losing the potential of this book's uh, starting premise, much like Jr. had said earlier, uh, which was Miguel back in 616 dealing with uh, Alchemex, his grandfather, his building superintendent, and a suddenly very interesting Liz. Uh, with Secret Wars coming up soon, I'm wondering if we'll have time left for any of that now. Uh, and I trust in Peter David, but Marvel's addiction to unending events has uh, certainly hit this title with a monkey wrench. And that's very accurate. I would agree with that. You want to do uh, Guardians 23 and 24? And I'll do... These will be quick. Yeah. because <laughs> will be real quick. They're quick reads, baby. Yeah. We still got a uh, Spider-Verse 2 left. I'm going to cash out, guys. It's, uh, All right. it's been a blast. Thank you, JR. I'll see you later. See you later, buddy. Bye -bye. night. And then there were three. <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, okay, Guardians of the Galaxy number 23. Finally, Brad, finally. What? The culmination Venom. of all this Venom stuff. And by There's all this Venom stuff, I mean where Venom just happens to be there while Bendis completely you know, ignores him. Not much to this, dude. Um, Bendis wanted to do a story with the planet of the symbiotes. That is why he had Flash Thompson... You know, moved from uh, from the regular MU over to his little corner of the cosmic verse, hmm. um, and then Bendis. I, I think Bendis got him, and then was like, you know, I'm really not that much into this as I thought. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I it seemed like a good idea at the time, but I don't know. I'm just kind of phoning it in now. Um, yep. And and the result is a very confusing Guardians title that 
that has had Flash Thompson in it and has had no reason for it. Yeah. Absolutely no reason for it. And a lot of times he doesn't even do anything. So uh, here, Flash, uh, at the beginning, Flash... New, yeah, here you go. This is this is an entire Flash centric epi- you know, or issue. Finally, for the first time since Flash is in, we, he actually has a reason to be here. So Flash is having a wet dream about uh, Valkyrie, uh, which turns into a nightmare. Uh, then he wakes up and he sees the Guardians all knocked out and the symbiote latched onto Drax, which is not a good thing. Uh, the ship lands on the planet of the symbiotes and. When everyone on the ship wakes up, uh, they start communicating with the, with the other symbiotes. The symbiotes are floating around like butterflies, and there's all kinds of crazy crap going on. Um, <laughs> the symbiote, the Venom symbiote, leaves Drax and goes to be, you know, I don't know, I guess joins with its planet or something like that. And then um, the rest of the Guardians... Uh, wind up uh, letting the the planet bond briefly with them so they can hear what it's saying. Uh, it's funny because Rocket Raccoon makes a comment at one point and says, "You know, Captain Marvel died from uh, got the space cancer from crap like this." <laughs> Good line. Yeah, that was funny. Um, but then you find so you find out that Venom's people, if you can call them that, are the Kleintar. Um and that the Venom symbiote has become scarred and unhinged. And damaged for being so far from home for so many years and being through so much trauma as it has, they fix its impurities and uh, then rebond Flash in the revitalized Venom symbiote, so that Venom essentially gets a power up with a fixed symbiote and a brand new look. Yeah, it was funny because I saw a reaction online to this and people were like, you know, Man. they were like Venom's dead, long live Venom, and all this other crap. And some people were yeah. beside themselves, like, "Oh my God, I can't believe the symbiote's dead." And I'm like, "He's not dead. He got fixed." Apparently, yeah. apparently, Venom was never meant to be a dick, is what this is telling him. <laughs> because the Kleintar are all kind of nice. Yeah, all the symbiotes are actually kind of, you know, I don't know, like space hippies or something. They're like, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, in the '90s, I was so excited during those annuals. Where they gave a symbiote origin, and I was disappointed. Yeah, I, I I've waited twenty years to get another Venom origin, and I'm disappointed yeah, again. I I don't I don't think I want a Venom origin that's anymore. That's almost a little too much information. It really takes away from this. The, it does. The other oh, yeah, there's there's no build up here at all. No, it's just I'm just disappointed. There's no build up here. It's just oh here you are, and here's what we are, and here's what he is. There's it is one hundred percent exposition. There is no action. And it's it's float, floating butterfly symbiotes in space. That's not what I want. Because <laughs> all I good writing so. needs is explanation, explanation, explanation. And I like Bendis for the most part, but that was a big letdown. His his Guardians is so hit and miss. I would agree. And and I I just I look at the work that Abnet and Lanning did on this book. Yeah. And then I look at the work that followed it, and I'm like, oh, this is not this is not as good. What's your grade for that one? Uh, I gave this one a C. Again, a whole lot of exposition, a whole lot of whole lot of just delivering it. Here it is, no drama, and again, no action at all. Yeah, let's take the next issue. All right, Guardians of the Galaxy number twenty four, which apparently we stumble into yet another X Men crossover. Because who else is writing the X-Men? Oh, Bendis. That's Bendis. right. So we have our second goddamn X-Men crossover. 
<laughs> in a year. Yeah. <laughs> so this one's called Black Vortex. Whatever the hell that means. I guess I could get the, this is part two. I guess I could go and get part one and get the other parts that followed. But honestly, I don't give a shit. I, I also I haven't read this issue yet, but uh, I too decided to pass on the Black Vortex. So I get this one, and literally the it's the Guardians going up against somebody called the Slaughter Lords, and some kind of X Men, or as I call them now, the X Babies. Especially when I look at uh, like uh, the new Iceman, because um, they're all teenagers again. And literally, the only thing Venom does is uh, towards the towards the beginning, like in the double splash page, he stands around gaping and gaping in shock and awe. That was really that was the extent of what Venom did in this uh, in this issue. Yeah, no need to explain anything else. I mean, that's it. So uh, review that's... is uh, again is C and uh, Law crossover because I am goddamn sure not getting every other part of this. Freak thing. No. Did you understand the story by jumping in on part two? No, it was confusing, and uh, you know because I didn't know that we we had a crossover coming up. It's just oh hey here crossover you know treat, and right. uh, it's a treat that smells like poo to me, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna partake <laughs> of that. Um, right. So yeah, it's if Flash wasn't in this book, if I didn't have to do it for the satellite, I wouldn't be reading it. I would I would have right. already dropped it. You're done. This is yeah. this is a a sad state of affairs from what this book used to. Be. All right, Ashley, you've got Spider Verse number two. It's an anthology. How many stories are in that one? Oh, I think what we got the three. Well, it was four or five. It was, okay. it, was, it was a fair bit. Let's let's do it at a br- brisk pace. Yes. <laughs> Let me get it out real quick. This was uh, another cash grab, I think, to to uh, put as much Spider-Verse out there as I can. Yeah, I, I have Just enjoyed the anthology everybody. so far. It's mostly focusing on the, the what-ifs, you know, and the, like, yeah. how how imaginative can we be with, you know, these other Spider-People and what kind of, what would they be like? Right. Okay, so starting off with the very first page, we have a little one-pager called Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man versus Morlin, and it's Showtime, which is, it's a way to fill up one page. It's a dumb joke, just like, oh, hey, it's a video game, and, you know, you're playing a Spider-Man, and you attack, and it does nothing, and then Morlin comes up to you, and like, can you hear it, or fist, and defeats the player, and you have the, the little kid playing the game, just like, what just happened? Game over. Well, it was a it was an homage to that Marvel versus Capcom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Um, yeah, it was definitely a take on you know one of the fighting games. Yeah, it's just a very. It seems like it sums up all the Spider Verse very well. We have all this stuff happening, and then we're just exactly. kind of left eyebrow raised. What just happened? <laughs> well, the first story proper is uh, actually a Nancy, a spider in sheep's clothing, which takes on you know the classic tales of a Nancy. And, you know, being a trickster and, you know, just kind of the old fables that went along with him. And uh, you have someone named Mr. Mighty chasing him. Anansi was supposed to be looking after his flock of sheep, but he lost them. He somehow accidentally sham- summons the God of Storms. Some stuff happens. It's really confusing in the beginning. It's just a big, you know, cluster, you know what. And Spider UK gets... Dragged into the middle of it, and he's like, "Oh, hey, you know, I am recruiting. Sign up here." But uh, Anansi says, "Oh, no, we can't do that because the story's not over yet. We got to see how it ends." 
and he enlists Spider UK's help, gets them to help him uh, get Mr. Mighty to stop chasing after him somehow. What he has him dress up as a sheep, and then has his friend, who's the tiger, <laughs> pretend to be the the one who the thief who took the sheep, so that Mr. Mighty would chase after him instead of a Nazi. And as you can tell, it's this pretty convoluted. There's a lot going on here, and they eventually get this Spider UK stuck in the flock of sheep for the whole night for whatever reason. Yeah. He just lets himself be stuck there. Maybe it's because I don't remember the old fable, but that one just threw me. It goes all over the place. It's it is. I like the you know the I like the the premise. It's like oh you know what if we had a Nazi be part of the Spider Verse? Like that's really cool. It'd be but just it starts off so it's so hectic and it's just a whirlwind and it goes all over the place. Yeah. But What's the next one? The next one is the Anarchic Spider-Man, which is just the origin of uh, Spider-Punk, which oh, yeah. is actually, this is a very, very um, visually dynamic issue. I know we were talking about in Spider-Gwen, it was all like a fluorescent paint. And just looked, it was all neon. This is kind of the same, but it really works. And you just have a lot of, um, you know, just some really harsh, jagged lines and a lot of, uh, like, this bright, magenta pink and these blues and purples and it just looks yeah. fantastic. I would not be surprised if we have a spider punk mini coming up. I I'd read like a, a four issue mini series. Yeah. That would be pretty yeah. interesting. But well, they, aren't, they aren't he and Anya doing the whole ooh we're basically they're like Doctor Who of Spider Man now? I, I don't think he was no, a, it was Spider UK and Anya. That's UK. Yeah. Yeah. Oh but essentially, he comes from this punk dystopia where Osborne is president of the United States, or probably the world, I don't know. And the world's under this, as I put it, a permanent lunar eclipse where everything's pink. And Spider-Punk leads, or he's just Spider-Man, but we call him Spider-Punk because he's got spikes on his head because that's so edgy. He leads the spider army <laughs> of these anarchist revolutionaries who fight the world with, who fight the power with love and rage and rock and roll. <laughs> but they're opposed by this, you know, pol- you know, it's a police state. They're opposed by this organization, the Thunderbolt Department. It's made of units called Venom, which is variable engagement neurosensitive organic mesh. It's a jumble of words. These things <laughs> are terrifying. It's like imagine if the symbiote could shapeshift into uh, like riot squads and you know men in suits and these really freaky looking attack dogs that look like a. I don't know, just imagine like a seal, com- like leopard seal combined with a Rottweiler, and that's the kind of look you're going for here. It's really creepy. Yeah. But they have this, you know, big final battle, just, you know, anarchist versus the versus the man. They duke it out, and <laughs> uh, what Spider-Punk is the lead of, you know, his band, and they have this whole rig set up with all these amps, just a huge powerhouse of these speakers and whatnot and he just strums it and of course you know venom symbiotes weak to the you know the the sound and the sound waves so they rip him apart and then i don't know I, this this fun little image i know there's the you know in the spider-man song they say you know action is his reward and you have one of the mm-hmm. punks has a bandana says action and her top says reward i was like huh There you go. But they come out victorious, and in this one battle, they beat the cops and beat the president and took America back from the ones who would crush us under their boots. And it's revealed that 
Spider-Punk was not Peter Parker, but he's actually Hobie Brown. Which is yeah. an interesting little twist. And they have a they gave a little, you know, clincher at the end, a little epilogue, and you have someone watching him saying he's perfect to be continued in Spider-Verse number whatever. So maybe we'll see that one day. <laughs> yeah. So then I... That's, I think there's... Is there one more? Yeah, we got like two, two more. Two more, okay. Yeah. So we have the Spider Luchador, or El Hombre de las Arañas, which is entirely nice. in Spanish. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, yeah, that's the one I had no clue what was going which, on. Which okay. is, I really enjoy this. Said you, you can go and download the um, the digital version, which is in English, but I, I didn't even read that because I really like just the experience of you know, just letting the visuals speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's always fun in and of itself. So you have, I can't really figure out what's going on in the beginning. That There's not even any dialogue in the beginning. But he catches these two guys. <laughs> like, it looks like they're like falling or something. He saves them. They get a, have these, you know, thugs come up. These gangbangers start shooting at him. He takes them out. And he grabs one of them and says, like, you know, where's your boss? You know, where is he? And uh, threatens him, Batman-style, drops him like, you know, threatens to drop him off the building when he gets the information out of him. And it has he's going to pursue the boss and, you know, go to their hideout to do his next test. We get a uh, little glimpse to his origin where his father was a, you know, professional wrestler called the Arachnido. Yeah, Arachnido. There you go. And uh, he was fighting, uh, he was supposed to have uh, his partner, Scorpion, help him, but he didn't, and he gets his spine snapped over uh, his opponent's knee and they rush him to the hospital but unfortunately the doctor informs him that his father didn't make it so this version of Spider-Man vows to uh, I guess to solve you know the the secret of his father's murder as he's noticed uh, Scorpion and his father's opponent you know shaking hands as if they had uh, you know agreed to throw the fight and you know get Arachnido out of the way but he goes and he uh, he uh, in present time he finds the uh, the hideout where he's you know trying to find the you know the the gangster's boss and he is looking for a girl who's been kidnapped it seems and he he finds her he rescues her and he gets her out of her bind and you know the he takes down the the boss and webs him up and there he saves the day. And that's pretty much it. It was it was it was a fun little read. It, there's nothing really much happened, but the his costume is super cool. The uh, the colors are really bright. It's so it's it's just a really colorful issue and it's fun. And then our very last story is the mm-hmm. excuse me, every Spider-Man ever, and it's the little things where we're just having a big kind of caricature of the Spider-Verse fight, it's just where you have every Spider-Man ever. Oh, um, we got six armed Pete in the background. Yeah. There you go, George. He makes a reap. Welcome back. Hell yeah. yeah. And they're fighting the inheritors in this big, you know, mashup melee brawl. And they're kind of realizing, oh, see, they this one we have Peter and then another Spider Man in the black suit who both run out of web cartridges at the same time. They duck back to reload and they start talking. They realize that pretty much every facet of their lives is the same. And we have some funny little references to the other Spider-Man. Like we have, well, this one moment says, "Oh, one of them was unmasked, and I swear he looked just like the guy from Sea Biscuit." That got a yeah. laugh out of me. I did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But yeah, they go over and it's like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, we're getting a lot of similarities here. What about this? Check, this, check. They go over and find they're pretty much exactly the same. Except for, you know, one kept the black suit. One has the uh, original red and blue. And so they eventually say, it's like, I wonder what makes this different. And it's probably just, they say, probably just one of the little things. And they swing back into action. So it's just a little, it's definitely a fluff piece. Nothing really happens. It's cute. But, uh, but the different, but the difference is between them is the wedding ring. Oh, really? Yeah, they the actually, wedding ring. That's the that's oh. the married that's the, that's the married Spider Man that's going to be set up for the renew your vows. I never noticed that. Well, yep. well, we we don't know that for sure. We think. Well, we yes, we think. But yeah, the the difference is one of them's married, one of them's not. I completely went over my head. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so they're actually okay. There's a little more to it than that. Yeah. But um, I think the main draws for this uh for this this issue are uh, anarchist Spider-Man, and yeah, anarchist Spider-Man, in kind of the same way that one of the first Spider-Verses was you know, introduced Spider-Gwen. It had that same feel, that same appeal to me. So if you're wanting to get some more uh, more insight on some more Spider-Man, you know, definitely check it out because that was that one was definitely worth it for me. And I'd say I, overall I'd give the issue a B minus. Cool. All right, uh, I've got two, and you, let's end on Howard the Duck, George. Uh, I'm going to tackle Spider-Man and the X-Men. Okay, did you see my message? My computer's going to force me to reboot in 12 minutes or less than 12 minutes. Oh well, crap! Cool. All right. Okay, you you better go with Howard the Duck. I'll yes, close it with I Ashley. Go Me and it. Ashley. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Um, Howard the Howard Duck. Howard the Duck, number one. Uh, Ashley, how, how much do you know about Howard the Duck? I know that there is that George Lucas did a movie, and I know that is probably the worst possible introduction that I could have to Howard the Duck. Uh, it was. <laughs> it was because did the you, movie. Did you read it back in the seventies, George? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I I read it in the '90s. I went back and and got okay. uh, some of the back issues. Uh, Howard is very Howard is is used. Um, what's the West Way as a window into oh all kinds of different things like politics and you know he goes from being you know from being a a, a writer's. Um, What's the best way to say this? Well, basically, it's like it's like a second skin a writer can put on and just bitch about whatever's pissing him off. Normally, since it's for Marvel, it's usually leftist stuff. Um, you know, so he's always going off on a cause, or he's you know pissed about the way the man is holding him down, or whatever. Um, basically, he's like a form of punk rock. Which is which is funny because you know now he should be completely if he's still punk rock he should be completely uh, or completely opposite because all the stuff that he used to to one is now establishment and he technically he's anti-establishment. You see where I'm coming from, Jomo? Yeah. All right. Anyway, so they decided you know since Howard they put Howard in at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy that we have to bring Howard back into comics form. It was a horrible idea because. One thing that Howard needs to be is entertaining and insightful, but too many writers mistake that for buffoonery, you know. And that is exactly what has, what has happened with uh, Chip Zdarsky, 
the writer here, and uh, it's um, basically in a nutshell, Howard's trying to reclaim something uh, from, that the black cat stole. Black cat is in this, Ashley. Oh, cool. good grief! Um, He's getting he, everywhere. I know he's hired, he's hired by uh, by uh, or Howard's hired by a man to re- retrieve something that Black Cat stole from him. Uh, Beverly, remember Brad, his girlfriend, his girlfriend, uh, played by uh, Leah uh, Thompson in the movie. Leah Thompson, Leah Thompson ran around in her underwear for most of that movie, and had a had a duck scene. Yeah, had duck sex scene. Yeah. In Howard, if you haven't seen Howard the Duck, Ashley, uh, I've seen that scene. Okay, all right. Uh, so anyway, Beverly apparently is gone. Uh, what happened to Beverly? We don't know. We don't know if they broke up or if Beverly's dead. We don't know. Uh, so he has a new partner who's like one of these suicide girls, Brad. You know, she's got all the tattoos and the piercings everywhere, and he meets her in jail, and her name's Tara Tam. So that's your new Beverly. Tara what? Tam. Tara Tam. Tara right, Tam. Okay. So, um... He gets hired. Yeah, I, get, I didn't. I didn't order this book. He, I didn't. I haven't read. He it. gets hired to reclaim the property, uh, meaning he, you know, so he, he wants to contact somebody who knows Black Cat. So he sends a text to Spider Man. Spider Man shows up, and the, you know, to prove that Spider Man's young and hip and you know, quote unquote, with it, he makes a Siri joke. Um, you know, so that he, you know, we can still know that he's a he's still a hip youngster. I love that Howard the Duck has Spider Man's cell phone. Number. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, Tara and uh, Howard dress up like pizza delivery men, and they get inside Black Cat's uh, apartment or house. Wait, 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 who? I, I have a limited amount of time. I can't ask questions, Jomo. I got to fly through this. Oh yeah, fly, baby. Going to shut off. Okay. So um, I got another ten. Black Cat comes home while they're robbing her, and a fight breaks out. Um, at one point. Uh, Black Cat even says, are we being robbed by that pizza? I think she says pizza delivery duck or something like that. Um, a fight breaks out with her goons and and, um, and Howard and, uh, and Tara. And then a gatherer shows up working for the collector. It's like this weird – he's like this weird alien guy shows up to collect Howard because apparently now since he was in the movie, we have to have it in the comic. So uh, Howard is uh, eventually zapped back into the collector's quote-unquote collection. Uh, like he gets shot by the Gatherer, which shoots him across the universe. Um, Spider-Man arrives too late, sees a smoldering pile where Howard was, falls to his knees, and cries about Uncle Ben. (laughs) 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 While across the galaxy, Howard... (laughs) I'm so sorry. I don't know why I got tickled over that. I'm I'm not even making that up. I mean... Wow, he's like on his knees, like Uncle Ben, just like Uncle Ben, the dog. Literally, 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 his um, wow, his dialogue is uh, what is it here? Oh man, no, he he starts sobbing and he's he starts sobbing. He's like, oh no, 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 Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben, I'm so sorry, Uncle Ben, and he's just holding, he's face palming while he's crying. <laughs> Meanwhile, have, like, was he triggered? It's like a PTSD. Yes, it was. There should have been. (laughs) So okay. So meanwhile, across the galaxy, (laughs) Howard, you know, wakes up inside the collector's collectorium or whatever the hell it is. He puts things, and he inside there he meets Rocket Raccoon, who's getting ready to bust out. Uh, Excuse me. This gets uh, this gets a D for me. Wow. Um, Hang on, I got to sneeze. 
Bless you. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. So, are you picking up issue two? No, hell no. Okay, I didn't think uh, so. Well, I don't need to since Spidey's not going to be in it. I don't think recurring. Right. And yeah. uh, it's just bland, boring, and it, try, it tries, I think, sometimes. <laughs> Excuse me. I think it's, you're, allergic, you're allergic to the duck no, comics. I think it, it tries sometimes to be superior, like superior foes level of humor, mm-hmm. uh, and it yeah. just fails. It fails on its beak miserably. Uh, it's wow. not. It's not good. Not Sounds good. foul. It, it is. It is foul. And Brad, I, I tell you, I for one am not down. <laughs> okay, the last two reviews I'm going to tackle. It's uh, Spider-Man: The X-Men number two. Uh, Elliot Kalan is the writer. Marco Falila, I hope I'm not messing that up too bad, is the artist. Uh, the plot, uh, it has Sauron and our buddy Stegron. And uh, basically they kidnap Spider-Man and the ex-kids and they take them to Staten Island. And Spider-Man and the team break free from their restraints and they start to fight the dinosaurs in Staten Island. But Spider-Man quickly realizes that all the people... Uh, have been turned into dinosaurs. So Spider-Man does an uncharacteristic thing and raises his hand and says to Sauron and Stegron, I surrender! So they get captured again. Uh, Meanwhile, Sauron has the hots for Shark Girl, which is very creepy. And uh, evidently Shark Girl has been... uh, uh, was a turncoat in the last one, and now she's uh, secretly working for Spider-Man to get inside... To be their inside person to find out uh, how these these humans are being transformed into dinosaurs. So, uh, Shark Girl uh, puts the moves on Stegron. George Stegron gets hit on. Yes, by Shark Girl, and uh, she starts uh, sweet talking him and say, "You know, you're really a better dinosaur than he is. You should uh, not work with him. Uh, you should." Uh, come with me and we'll learn how to uh, well first of all show me your your superior dinosaur intellect show me how you work this machine to change humans into dinosaurs and how do you how do you change it back just by chance Uh, so he does that and uh, Sauron gets wind of that and gets upset gets jealous and the two start fighting Sauron starts sucking Stegron's life force out of him Stegron starts uh, hypnotizing him with his reptile mind and evidently they freeze in stone because isn't that what Sauron does he freezes yeah he can can freeze people so basically the two, two of them freeze each other in the statues so Storm, uh, who is kind of out of character in this, she's kind of like a head nanny or whatever and just doesn't like Spider-Man uh, being in charge of kids. So she's uh, out of character but then comes to pick up the team. Uh, but uh, Switcho, Changeo, uh really Storm is not Storm. It's the chameleon impersonating Storm. And so again, Spider-Man and the ex-kids get kidnapped. And uh, Chameleon delivers the spider friends to Mojo. Okay, the pro. Spider-Man's voice and humor is spot on. I enjoyed the quotes such as Spider-Man saying to Stegron, quote, Why do you let Big Bird talk to you like that? You've always been your own hideous reptile man. Thought that was funny. Uh, Spider-Man, as he's in, uh, in a cage with the ex-kids, he says... Uh, Quote, the planning part of my brain doesn't usually kick in until I've been beaten, captured, or made a target, or a general public scorn. Uh, I also like seeing Stegron 
saying uh, to Shark Girl, you know, no, no one's ever called me steggy before or even cool. I thought that was nice. Uh, the Cons, this is a very childish book, almost an all-ages type of book. Really, there's no consequences to it. It's more of a throw X amount of characters in a book and see what happens. Let's combine the Spider-Universe and the X-Universe and, and uh, see what happens, mix it up. And it's, it has a pretty much predictable ending. It, it seems like every issue with this trend, you're going to have one Spider-Man villain and one X-Men villain team up to take on the team. Uh, I liked the first issue a lot better. Uh, I'm giving this one a C minus. Uh, George, you read this one too, if I remember. I did. I read this and found it so yeah. atrocious that I refused to read this title anymore. I will no longer spend money on this. Well, luckily, uh, Stegron has exited the building. He's no longer there. Uh, he's been replaced in issue number three by one of my least favorite villains of all time, uh, Mojo. I've never liked Mojo. I think it's a dumb idea. I, I think he seems out of place. But uh, nonetheless, he's in this issue of Spider-Man the X-Men number three, written by Elliot Kalan and Marco Falila, like I said, from the previous team. The plot of the Spider-Man and the X-Men are kidnapped again. It seems to be the theme of the book, where they're kidnapped a lot. We're three issues in, they've been kidnapped several times. Uh, we see Spider-Man's being mind-controlled by Mojo to perform as a Jimmy Fallon-type variety show. He then has to fight in front of a uh, viewing audience the Sinister 66 on television with uh, the kids, with the X-Men kids, and Mojo is watching it like a uh, television director does. So the team uh, basically blows a hole in the wall. They escape out of the television studio, and they go down to Mojo World, which is a bunch of yellow people that look like Mojo, and they're uh, incredibly obese, and they look like the, the humans from Wally. And so uh, Spider-Man runs into the executive producer of the television show, a.k.a. the Chameleon. He also runs into the Uncanny X-Babies, uh, and... Uh, Again, just cramming more toys in this toy box of characters in this book. Uh, so then they go to the X-Mansion and Mojo and Chameleon. Actually, no, they, they eventually escape out of the world. And they go to back to the X-Mansion. And Mojo and Chameleon go to jail. Which, really, they're going to put Mojo in jail? In, in 616 Universe? It just seemed weird. Uh, and uh, a cliffhanger at the end of the issue, Rachel Gray ra wakes up in the middle of the night. She goes and she says, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And that's just the cliffhanger. Uh, the pro of the book, I like the scene of Spider-Man hugging the baby Wolverine and telling uh, baby Wolverine that uh, his older self has died. It's a, it's a nice little moment in this very just kiddie book. Uh, I also like the line where the chameleon says to Spider-Man, quote, you've, uh, you're getting your wish. You've always wanted to be on television. And Spider-Man's come back to him as he was, uh, yeah, that, I wanted to do that when I was 15. thought that was kind of a nice little homage to the amazing Spider-Man 1, etc. Uh, the con, too confusing and all over the place. There's absolutely too many characters in this. It's very cartoony, and I hate, hate, hate Mojo. Always have, always will. Uh, grade D+. Plus. This, uh, it seems this series 
each issue is getting progressively worse, in my opinion. Uh, the voice of Spider-Man is still solid. It's a lot more solid than the uh, all-new Ultimates book, which also had the similar problem of too many characters. But at least Spider-Man's voice is dead on. He's very funny in it, but it doesn't save him from having to share his book, like he does in Amazing so often. Uh, with so many characters. All right, that is a wrap on the uh, satellites. Let's go over the grades real quick. Uh, I'm going to, let's see, mine are, well, I can read Zach's one more time. Uh, Zach's Scarlet Spider number three gets a C. Miles, the Ultimate Spider-Man, gets a, number nine gets a B plus. Number ten gets an A. Uh, my book, uh, All New Ultimates number twelve, gets an F. Thank God it's over. All New X-Factor number 20 gets a B. Very good issue. Uh, X-Men and Spider-Man the X-Men number three gets a B plus. X-Men, Spider-Man the X-Men number two gets a C minus. Ashley, what do you got? For mine, let me see. I gotta grab my notebook out again. I think for Silk, I gave it a B plus. No, it was a yeah, a B plus. Spider Verse number two got a B minus. Spider Woman number three got a B. Spider Woman number four got a B minus. Okay, George. Uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine number eight got an A plus. Spider Man twenty ninety nine number nine got a B plus. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 23 and number 24, both got C's. Howard the Duck, number one, got a D. Oh, man. All over the place. Did we have we had A's, didn't we? We had a couple A's. I gave mm-hmm. out one A, yeah. You gave out one A. a. I think you're the only... And what was, what was your A+. Plus? Oh, George's was... Yeah, that was, that was, a, was an A+. Plus. I, I didn't give it any A's. Did you, Ashley? No. I, I think the best one I gave out was B+, plus for, uh, for Silk. Oh, but, I, but I'm the negative one. No, no, and Zach gave and Zach gave out an A for uh, Miles Morales number ten. So all over the place. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our Spider Satellites episode. We're going to be reviewing seventeen set. Hold on a second, I'm going to sneeze. Figure it. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if this were... Oh, oh my God. I knew it was coming. I couldn't go any farther. Whoa. This wow. is Saga Chronicles, the bulk of the skull this, music we play. This, this should, that should be a blooper. All right, three. I think I will. All right, hey, three, two. Before you start. I, yes. JR, you're sticking around for this? Yeah, he is. He wanted to. For a little, for a little bit, yeah. We, we held a gun to his head and said, you stick around, manager. Sweet. Yeah. Stick around, watermelon man. <laughs> 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 All right, three, 